idea for all this really came from a dream? Yes, it did. Oh, hello. So this is going to be exciting. I have to start over. Oh, no. What happened? Uh, I never pushed the audio. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm retarded tonight. <laughs> so, good evening. Welcome to Nox Mente. Twice. Tonight's guest is Nicole Frolic. Nicole is an international expert on flexibility, an inspirational speaker, intuitive life coach, co-host of the Enlighten Up podcast, and the author of Inflexible Me, Expanding Past the Inflexible Barriers of the Body, Mind, and Soul. Nicole believes in being the model of the change you wish to see in the world and demonstrates that through living authentically. Coming out of the spiritual closet in 2016, she has used her YouTube channel as a platform to speak her truth and share her experiences and knowledge that have led her through a transformative process of self-help. Her deepest joy comes from sharing this process with others through her intuitive coaching, tarot readings, variety of online courses available in her Inflexible Me Academy, her latest program called Alchemy Guided Meditations, her book Inflexible Me, and her weekly podcast Enlighten Up. Nicole, welcome to the show. Hi guys, thanks so much for having me again. <laughs> <laughs> Round two. <laughs> yeah, good things you know happen in twos. Why not? Second time. You know what's. What's funny is since I got up today, this morning, like I, I needed to check in on my schedule and I pu pulled up my computer, which had a 70% charge. And as I'm in there pulling my calendar up, the whole thing drained. Like oh my that. gosh, really? Yeah. And it's been like that repeatedly all day, like weird electrical stuff and kind of like weird false starts today. It's just been one of those weird days. I wonder what's going on in the Schumann resonance. I was thinking the same thing, Nicole. Because <laughs> it's been it's been consistent. That's all fake news. Come on. <laughs> Whatever, Jer. <laughs> I think the Schumann resonance uh, spikes seem to um, correlate with the cosmic ray spikes that we seem to get on the NOAA. I'm sorry, the SDO, NASA's SDO charts. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some but kind of coupling there between the cosmic rays and the Schumann residence, whenever that is. I've got a very low flying something. Can you all hear it? Yeah. In the no, background? no, no, I don't hear it. No, okay. I don't hear it. Good, because it is super loud here. Well, I, this is exciting. Thank you for coming on Knox Mente, Nicole. Well, thanks so much for having me. This will be fun. So I already noted, and I noted from your bio earlier, that 2016 was a big year for you. And uh, I want to get in there, but you know, Nox Mente wants to get your foundation. So <laughs> we want to know the house you're, you're you know, want to know about the house you built spiritually. Uh, so let's go way back and talk about you as far back as you can recall. What are the things that stand out to you now as, as far as early memories and things that fascinated you? You know, um, I was always fascinated with the sky. I loved looking at the stars as a kid. I would often go outside with my dog and look up at the stars and just wonder who's like looking back. And, um, but 
I really didn't have a lot of um, memories from my childhood that would have been psychic or intuitive, other than I'd love to look out my window and look up at the sky. Uh, but it was around the age of 17 is when I first started dabbling in spirituality. I was never a fan of, I was raised Catholic and I was never a fan of the church. I've always been a little Sorry. bit outspoken. I've always been a little bit outspoken, um, against, uh, authority. Terry, like authority a bit. I, I've challenged authority my whole life. I know I've given my dad most of his gray hairs, uh, but it, it's just one, I don't know, I was 12 and I just remember one day listening to the priest and thinking, this is all a lie. I don't understand how an all loving God would want to use fear to motivate his children. It just didn't fit right with me. And so I always started to look outside of the church for more answers. How, how old were you when you realized it was a cannibalistic ritual going on? Uh, not until much later. <laughs> that veil was not pulled until much later. I love hearing that you were, I call it the rebel gene, that you were actually questioning. I mean, so many, it, it, I, and this is why I call it the rebel gene, because not everyone actually questions the narrative. They just go along with it for whatever reasons, and that's fine. But it's uh, it's interesting. So when it's seventeen, although I do want to step back earlier and see what kind of pop culture influenced you. But at seventeen, when you started to really question stuff, what what do you think sparked that? Though were you just not getting the answers you were looking for? Well, I you know I had just gotten. When I was, um, just before my two months before my 17th birthday, I did, I partook in a student exchange program in Switzerland. So I lived abroad on my, well, not on my own. I lived with a family, but it was the first time I'd ever traveled without my parents. And I lived there for three months in the French speaking part of the country. And I had never, you know, back then we didn't really have much of an internet. So I didn't know what to expect. It was like walking into a completely different world and just being able to explore the different cultures and the ways, different ways that people live their lives. And, and, um, it was just very different. It really sparked a travel bug within me, but I remember they took me traveling so much. And I remember going to some really old churches through Europe, which was interesting to me because at first I didn't really want to go into the churches because I you know, just from what I grew up with, but I found that there was something different there. Like I really loved the, the, um, history that was present in their architecture and that you could feel the age there more so than what you would feel over in North America. And so, uh, there were certain music, there was certain music that would be playing. And when I got back to Canada, um, I remember going into an HMV store, which was a CD store in Canada. And I remember going in to look for actually a pop CD and I ended up finding Gregorian chants. And when I listened to them, I was, I just knew right away that I had to get that CD home. And I started listening to it at home and I'd listened to it when I was in the bath and I listened to it when I was in bed and I started meditating without even realizing I was meditating. And I just remember the frequency that I was feeling, the way it made me feel and where it transported me was something I'd never felt before. It was a sense of peace that I really was wanting to create more of. And that really started to open things up for me. Um, 
I was also really always interested in the body and interested in health. And so even at that time, I was starting to buy books on Chinese medicine. I was starting to buy stuff on natural health and vitamins and really starting to explore stuff. And so I, I want to say that that the Gregorian chants, interestingly enough, just you know, just because I wasn't fond of the church, but that it was that that really kind of spoke to me. It was that, and then also the health industry that really kind of started to wake me up to what was going on. This is you. You say so many incredible things here. I'm such a believer that one needs to get out of their nest, and and earlier the better. That's why those exchange programs have always. I've thought been great because they do widen your world. And, and that's such an important thing. And you come back, you know, you come, and sometimes, you, and then, you, you know, you're obviously still in school, but you, you've got a different perspective, a different worldview, and it changes things. So that, that in and of itself is important. I love, I love hearing that. The Gregorian chants, I am so with you. Oh my <laughs> God, early on. And then I found like Hildegard von Bingham and all that's good stuff. Uh, okay. So with this, we're going to come, we're going to spring back to this, but I wanted to jump back now, back in time again, as a little kid, did you, was anything in pop culture sticking out? Like, did you like cartoons or what kind of cartoons did you like in movies? Did you have a relationship with nature? I loved nature. Um, I grew up in the countryside more so than in, um, like anything urban. And so I, I, my parents lived on always quite a bit of land, at least two acres on one property that we lived, we had a huge forest. And, uh, I remember always going down to, there was a pond at the bottom and I would always be playing with frogs and turtles and, um, different things like that. I was always climbing trees I loved being outside. As for like cartoons, I don't know why this, I remember watching this movie so many times. Um, my mom, every Friday night would rent us a movie of our choice and me and my sisters would watch. And I just remember Winnie the Witch. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, I love Winnie the Witch. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's not, I mean, I think that seems right in line though. I, I mean. know, you know, I'm only drawing <laughs> that parallel in like in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome did your sisters like Winnie the Witch too oh it was like one of our favorites yeah we, my mom used to get sick of us renting it she's like pick a different movie <laughs> <laughs> how many sisters are you is there what's the sibling situation so I'm the oldest of four and my brother is the youngest and I okay. have two sisters in between and I know this because of our pre-chat and all this but you were born in Canada Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was born just outside Toronto, Canada. And so my accent will come out in like, well, right there, right there when I say out about house. Yes. Uh, but otherwise it's kind of hidden a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I lived in Canada until I was 29. And then um, because of that travel bug, I um, moved down to the Cayman Islands and ended up living there for nine years. And then I decided to move to Colorado. And that's where I currently am. So you keep saying in the travel things there and also education. So is, there, is Sag predominant in your chart? You know what? Um, it's, I've got it in my moon. 
Okay. Well, there we go. And then your ninth house, what's that? My ninth house is Sag. <laughs> yeah. So there we go, girl. It all makes sense. This is, don't you find this with this? No, actually, no, wait, I'm sorry. My ninth house is, no, wait, is it? I have to look too. It's terrible being on the spot. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, you know what? I want to say it is, um, cause I'm a Taurus. So, right. So, then so it can, is. Yeah. Sagittarius yes. is my ninth house. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Taurus sun, Sag moon. What's your rising? A uh, cancer. Ooh, girl, I love this combo. <laughs> and then I've got Aries in my Mars and Venus. So I've got a, quite a bit of fire in my chart. So I'm not your typical Taurus because I'm not really slow moving. I like fast action speed. Let's get it going kind of stuff. So I'm a Taurus with Aries and Venus as well. So that's, I relate to you. And, that wow. upfront, and there's that upfront kind of sexuality with all that too. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what's funny is I don't actually read that so much about myself, but people read that about me i oh. find you know what i'm saying i think that's something people perceive in me rather than me um i mean i it's i drive it's that sexy throaty voice of yours no <laughs> that's just from talking so much jerry like i swear i sound like i'm on helium if i have a big vocal break uh anyway yeah the astro the astrology stuff's cool that's interesting that we have some of that in common yeah that's really cool so, and you know, always, it, it always seems this way uh, with, I love Canadians. They all, even the city dwelling Canadians I've known all seem to be really nature oriented. So. You, you know, what's so interesting is, okay, I grew up in the country, loved nature. And when I got into my teenage years, I couldn't wait to get out of it. Like mm -hmm. I just wanted to get into the city so badly and um, lived in the concrete jungle for a while until I moved down to the island. And it was after living on the island in a much slower paced life that when I finally came back to Colorado, I realized I can't do the city anymore. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't, it was, it was hurting my energy. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it just hurt. Like everything was too fast. I couldn't handle, um, like all the, the, the beeping horns and, um, just traffic in general. It just, freaked me out a little bit more, way more than I ever realized it could be possible. Yeah, me too. Every time I'm in a, in a city, I, I feel almost, it almost feels like I'm dying. It's hard. And I, part of that's the introvert in me, but a lot of it, I really think is the empathic energies that it took me a long time to admit to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like one of those in the closet empaths. <laughs> I know. I I, I think it, I had this hangover with like being too flaky. And, oh, really? And you so know it's not, you know this, but mm -hmm. I had to come. I never had a religious hangover. I had a new age hangover. Like it always triggered me for some reason. So I steer, I would steer clear of anything that might put me in those waters. I'm over that, but it, it was, it was there for a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, understandably so it's, um, you know, I, I mean, I got made fun of a lot and I got a lot of the rolling eyes and learned pretty quickly that there were only certain things I could talk about with a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I totally get it. So, and that, that kind of brings me to the next question, coming back to 17, when all this stuff started to 
kind of awaken in you. It was there always, of course. But mm-hmm. so in this, in this period when you're questioning things and you've gone to, it was Sweden, right? Switzerland. Switzerland. Switzerland, way different. Uh, and you've got the Gregorian chants going and you're getting into body and health and all that. What do you think? So where I'm going with this question is I'm trying to align it with what do you think was going on with your inner world that sparked this kind of major shift outwardly? Well, like I said, I've always been someone who likes to go against the grain. If everyone's doing one thing, then I want to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't like, even with my traveling, um, uh, locations. I didn't want to travel to places where I knew everyone was going. And so I'm like, I want to go somewhere where no one else is going that much or no one else is really talking about. So I always want to go where um, people aren't typically going or that's on trend, so to speak. And, you know, I, I would like to say that when I started to really open up to my, what was actually possible spiritually, happened through what I perceived originally as one of the most horrifying revelations that I could ever receive at the age of 20. And that was when I had um, just broken up with my first boyfriend who I had a very abusive relationship with. Like he was really emotionally abusive and um, mentally abusive as well. And I took me a really long time to have enough confidence in myself to finally like break free of that relationship. But when I finally did, and I, I remember driving home from his house and getting back to my parents where I was living at the time when I was in second year university. And I had, I was sitting in the kitchen and the phone rang and I picked up and it was the health center where I had had like a pap test. And they were calling me to let me know that there was an ab- an abnormality. And I kind of started to freak out because he's the only person I had ever been sexually active with. And they told, and at the time there was not a lot of stuff about this, but they told me that I had HPV. Mm-hmm. And they also told me that some strains caused cancer. And of course, my mind goes straight to cancer and locks in like <laughs> there's no yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, and course. I had this huge lump in my throat just building and building and building. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, who's going to want to be with me now? I'm completely tired. Like I just, I, the worst thing that I could ever think happening, um, it happened to me like through what I thought, like I had waited till I felt like I was in love with someone to sleep with someone. He was the first person I ever slept with. And so it was just this really terrifying moment. And I remember going to the kitchen, she just kind of like, Oh, you know, if you need anything, like call us and just kind of hung up. And I, there was no one home at the time. And I sat down at the kitchen table, bawling, bawling my eyes out, just feeling absolutely sorry for myself. And I, I just think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And all of a sudden, I guess this would be the first time I actually received a message that I can remember was I had the image of a paper cutout that a friend had given me um, six months prior from um, a paper magazine. 
And it was a clipping to a um, applied kinesiologist because I was studying kinesiology in university at the time, but this was applied kinesiology, which is much different. It's much more natural, natural based in working with um, testing muscle, like te muscle testing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I looked at that thing and I looked and I was like, you know, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to call this number. And so I called them right away. And, um, the man answered, who was the applied kinesiologist. And he's like, you know, I told him what was going on and how scared I was. And I didn't know what to do, but I just felt like they, I was supposed to call them. And he said, I think you need to talk to my wife. She's a naturopath. And so I ended up starting to see her and I booked a session and I walked in and of course she had these massive crystals in her front hall. Um, she worked out of her home in downtown Toronto and there were all these different like essential oils, smells going through the place. And I was like, wow, like this place is <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so she brings me in and within like 20 minutes of her getting me to talk to her, she's got me bawling my eyes out again. And I'm like, how did she just ask me one question and got to the heart of everything? And so with her, she started doing um, past life regression with me. She introduced me mm. to past life regression. She started using different techniques. She did do muscle testing to test which oils to use on me. Um, she, was, uh, she told me that not to worry about the virus. She was, the body is capable of uh, eliminating any virus. It's just what we got to figure out why you're holding on to it. Mm -hmm. And so we went into past lives to figure out why I was holding on to it. And we did some past life work there. She did dolphin brain repatterning, which I can't even tell you exactly what that is, but she was tapping on my brain and doing all this other stuff. So I, she just totally opened my entire world to this stuff. And to her credit, within six months, I went back to the doctor and my tests all came back um, negative. Yeah, of course. Is, and, it, is it true that the dolphin consciousness is a fifth dimensional consciousness? I, I actually think it's beyond. Yeah, yeah I do yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I want to say 11 and I don't know why. Cool. I can't tell you why that, that number is just coming into my mind. Um, but yeah, so she, I, I, you know, I was a student. I, I didn't make much money at all because I was studying and I had then gone to massage therapy college. I left university to go to massage therapy college because I just knew university wasn't for me. And, you know, I, but I knew that I had to see this woman every month. And so I saved up enough money to go to her. And, um, I just remember leaving her place every time feeling like a completely different person. Like, like I was transported somewhere else and I didn't, I was almost scared to drive home because I didn't understand mm -hmm. like why I was feeling so kind of out of my body. Mm -hmm. So she was kind of like my first mentor and really yeah. started to open me up to things where I started meditating more. She taught me how to move energy through my body, how to take in light. Um, she taught me a ton of stuff. So, which I have now used in some of my guided meditations on my website. Um, so yeah, that, that was kind of where it really started to take off. This that's incredible. And really what a blessing. So young at 20 to have, uh, I always say that it's better to have the early house shakedown. You know, it seems we adapt so much easier, but to get to the path led you to her and uh, she changed the trajectory. And here you are. I mean, this is amazing. Natural paths are where it's at for me. So uh, just another one of those amazing 
healer stories. Do you still, are you still in contact with her? Um, I, I actually had lunch with her a couple years ago in Toronto. We met up and um, it was really nice to connect with her again. But other than that, I haven't really con- had stayed in too much contact with her. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always, the people come and go in such magical ways. And, you know, that's one of the things that I love about naturopaths is they actually just want to, they want to get you back into that state of balance. They don't want forever patience. I, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's about, it's not about creating the codependent relationship like a lot right. of other systems are. <laughs> yeah. Especially if the allopath, the, um, yeah, the, the mainstream system wants you forever on it. This, so, okay. So this story, we have these key ages. Let's look at your dream world and start tying that in. How was, were you a child as a child? Were you a dreamer or, you know, what was your dream life like early on? I have a very highly imaginative mind. (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting to hear that. (laughs) Um, Extremely imaginative. And so, yeah, my dreams were always very interesting. I don't have dreams that specifically stand out, but I do remember, I think seeing things move in my room, like shadows and things. And um, I, I can't say that there was anything specific going on, but I always felt like I was able to communicate beyond here without ever actually feeling like I was. But I always had the sense that that was possible. And I, you know, I think... I don't know. I think something's kind of shut down in me, which I've only recently discovered as to why there's something really traumatic that happened to me at the age of five. And I've only shared it to my, um, my group in, in my alchemy program, actually just this past weekend. Uh, and I'm going to be sharing it on my channel probably next week. I have this raw and real video series that I do, and I try to be as raw and authentic and real as possible and express certain things that you know, I'm very, I feel very vulnerable to do so. And that's going to be my next one. But I think because of that, I kind of turned some things off. And so it's hard for me to remember certain things from my childhood, I think in that context, but I definitely had a very strong imagination, which has become the um, biggest strength in my meditations. And allowing me to kind of connect and see things. So my third eye has opened up quite vividly. Yeah. I, I imagine with just the stuff I've you, you know, you've shared already that you it probably probably is there. So in the early part of your life, do you remember having any fears? And you know what I mean by the tip, like typical fears that kids have. So something, the dark or something under the bed in the closet, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was always scared of monsters under the bed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is so typical and it, it, it's at least in Western society. It's very, it's so common. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I remember being scared of, you know, my father <laughs> loved to scare us. And um, I remember for my 12th birthday, I had a bunch of girls over to the house and at night and we had the forest in the back and I was like, oh, let's go out into the forest. And I didn't know my dad 
was hiding out in the forest and then just started freaking us all out. Oh, just shrieks of girls, like screaming. We were at the top of a hill. It just went across the valley. Like I'm sure the entire like neighborhood just heard. And so he, I, I'm easily scared. So here's the thing. Anyone who knows me and has watched even a, a movie of any scary semblance in it whatsoever knows I jump. Mm-hmm. I jump off my chair when something's scary. So I stopped watching really scary movies. Like I just won't. Um, it's pretty bad when Scooby-Doo is a cartoon that scares you <laughs> when they go into the fog. So I've always been kind of um, freaked out about that. And I think it's because I have such an impressionable mind. My mind, when I see something that freaks me out, I can't get the image out of my head. And so I... And I know how strongly we can be programmed that way. And so I have to just, it's kind of, I think, a protective mechanism for me to keep that stuff out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You wouldn't be scared if it wasn't for you pesky kids. Never mind. It was a Scooby-Doo joke. (laughs) I was like, wait, okay, Jerry. I know. (laughs) 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 Dude. (laughs) so all right when when so you have this up this this situation this trauma happened at five which people can tune in to your blog um to your to your show and find out later when you divulge that uh what about later on did you start when did you start around what age did you start developing dreams that you could recall and then possibly navigate or at least discern a dreamscape within? Probably not until around 2016 when I was heavily meditating. Um, Oh my God. Wow. That's a huge job. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I've always been a vivid dreamer, but I didn't have anything that really stood out for me. Uh, Some things kind of turned on. Like when I got my Reiki attunement, I think I was about 20, Eight, and I got my Reiki attunement. The night I got attuned, I had the craziest experience happen to me. And it's probably one of the very few, what I would call negative entity experiences I've had. And it was, I remember lying in bed and getting awoken because I had this really crazy swishing energy going through my sacral and about my sacral chakra. And it was just swirling and swirling and swirling. And I just remember waking up going, what is going on there? Like, what's happening? And it started getting more and more powerful. And I felt like I was almost in a vortex. And I don't know why, but I got the sense that there was some sort of snake entity in my room. And it was really freaking me out. And I didn't see it. But I kept getting this image and understanding. And I just thought, I don't know what this is, but I want it to shut down right now, right now. And I threw the covers over my head because I reverted to being like a child. And it just all of a sudden stopped. It's like all the energy went out of the room and it was gone. And so that kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I didn't know what to do. And it kind of wanted... kind of caused me to want to pull back a little bit because I couldn't understand. Like I didn't know anything about that kind of stuff back then, you know, like we didn't, 
really have much YouTube back then. I mean, it was just kind of starting, I think. I don't know. It was like, that must have been 2005 it happened. I think YouTube started around that time. Yeah. What, what do you think that was? It was some kind of Kundalini experience? Um, it may have been. I just felt like, I don't know, like I felt like something was trying to feed off of my energy. And I can't explain. Like, I know it sounds crazy. Well, it sounds like Kundalini. <laughs> um, but like, I, I have actually had a really intense Kundalini experience um, when I was 31 where I was certain I was levitating. So, and with having that Kundalini experience later so that you can pull upon that, you definitely are making a separation here between the two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was scared in both instances, but for different reasons. Um, the other one, the first time I, I really felt like I, there was something that, that was there that wasn't supposed to be. It was uninvited. And the second time it was, the energy was so intense. I thought I was going to um, burst into a thousand pieces. <laughs> like I thought I was going to explode. So I want to talk about that second one, but I want to finish up with this first one. The second one was, you said you were 31. Yes. Okay. But this, so this negative one, what was... So let's parse out just kind of like the the basic stuff. Was there anything going on in your life besides Saturn return that was crazy or unsettling? Were you not stable? Any of that stuff? It was very not too far away from me finally making a huge decision to leave Toronto and move down to the Cayman Islands. I was starting to become very discontent with living in the city, living in Canada in general. Mm. And also I was going through what I would call part of a dark night. Oh, I would actually know it was a very dark night of the soul I was going through. Mm -hmm. um, I had been broke. So I went through a relationship breakup when I was 26 and it wasn't until a year and a half later when I started to really go into a dark hole over it all. And I was using alcohol to numb my pain. So I was going out and partying a lot in the nightclubs. I was drinking a lot and I would, um, I would use men to kind of, I was kind of like a black widow. Mm -hmm. I would, I would lure men in and like be really seductive and talk to them and make them think that I was interested in them. And then I just tear them apart. That's so Aries and Venus. <laughs> <laughs> I had that period too. <laughs> and I'm not, and, and what's even worse is that I started to, um, get really verbally abusive towards my best friends, my girlfriends. And it wasn't until they finally confronted me. They're like, Nicole, we got to sit you down. And I'm like, what? And they started telling me of this. And I started to realize like, um, I think I might have a problem here that I'm really avoiding. And so I decided to stop drinking mm -hmm. and I gave up alcohol. And I said, you know, and part of it was also like just wanting to make my body healthier but also I knew like something's going on here and I'm not going to figure out what it is if I keep drinking. So uh, I was just really ashamed of my behavior and I didn't like the person I was becoming. In fact, I was really hating the person I was becoming. And when I 
when I did that, I had already made the decision. It wasn't too far off me to making the decision to move to the Cayman Islands. So I was getting ready to really make a huge move that I didn't know was going to impact me in the way that it did. And I just knew that the city was unhealthy for me, the whole lifestyle, the friend group that I had, um, as nice of people as they are, they were just really into that party scene. And I just was really feeling a need to completely pull myself out of it. And so that's when that was kind of, so that was going on when that experience happened in my bed. Yeah, I can see a connection there. And it's, there's so much to be said for what that could have been. Uh, So when you experienced it, did it have a sense, I want to talk about it in specific now that so did it feel like it had a sentience to its own? It, it was in there. It was basically going to feed on you, correct? I mean, that's yeah, it, it felt something separate like from me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I had some energy going on in my body, but what I felt present in my room wasn't attached to that. So it was a different energy in the room on top of what I was feeling going on in my body. Yeah. And I felt like I was going through a major activation and this thing was trying to like interfere or inter like latch on in some way to feed off. When you, when you think about it now, do you, are you able to pull up colors with it and, or like other descriptives? Other than, um, a snake with fangs. Yeah. I can't really, um, and like this slithery kind of a feeling, like just kind of sneaky, slithering mm-hmm. in through the back door kind of a feeling. Mm-hmm. Real low. I can't help but think <laughs> about um, Randy Green talks about how everyone has some kind of snake thing put into them when they come to this realm. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, oh. and perhaps you're your Reiki experience cleansed that from you and that's what you saw or perceived. Oh, so maybe it wasn't happy that it got um, kicked out? No, correct, yeah. correct. It was Exuti. angry. It got exhumed. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a possibility. I never even looked at it that way. Well, it, it's, it, you know, these are, it's all parasitical. And so, and it, as I always say, it just wants to live. So just like everything else, but it wants back, you know, these things want back and they Mm -hmm. get, they get, become stronger by feeding. So it's very synchronistic and it totally fits in with that Randy Green stuff, which is fascinating. Did you, what was, okay. So, and then before we move on, what was your relationship, had your relationship been with just the symbol of snakes in general and snakes in general, like in the physical realm? Um, I mean, I didn't like them so much, but at the same time, I wasn't terrified of them. Um, I also did know that there were some different meanings of snakes because also here's the other thing that I haven't mentioned. Um, in my mid twenties, while I was living downtown, I would get these mm, hits, I guess, intuitive hits to go to the bookstore and get a book. And I wouldn't know, like, I'm like, okay, I feel like, I guess I want a new book. And I never went there with the intention of picking a specific book out, but letting the book pick me. And, um, 
I really found, okay, one day I found myself picking up a Mayan, mm. a Mayan um, book. And this was back in 2004, three, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started reading about the Mayan culture and um, the Mayan calendar more specifically. <clears throat> and I know that the serpent was um, very um, important in their culture and, 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 a, and a, like the uh, Quetzalcoatl, right? Yes. So I knew that there was also like these incredibly powerful spiritual um, attachments to the snake that uh, were also present in my mind. So um, I, it was, I didn't have like always just a negative perception of snake, but I also, it wasn't purely positive. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, it's an interesting, I mean, it's just an interesting symbol i had to come to terms with i ended up loving loving them but i had a huge fear of them for a long time in my childhood uh and i still do if they're big and scary i don't care what anyone says <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> not having it um okay so i wanted to i want to juxtapose that with your kundalini now which is just a few years later post mm-hmm. that in return you're in the cayman islands now well, actually, I left my job in the Cayman Islands to take a one-year sabbatical off work and travel. Oh, girl, look at you. <laughs> I have yeah. a map here. <laughs> the Cayman Islands, I moved to the Cayman Islands and was there for a year and a half. And within that year and a half, I realized that I just wanted to go on like a sabbatical. Like I just felt my soul calling it. And um the Cayman Islands really opened me up to a lot more of my feminine energy, which I had suppressed my entire life. And, and so I was really starting to go a lot deeper into my spiritual journey. And I decided mm-hmm. to backpack through Costa Rica for a couple of months on my own. And the first place I went was, um, this, the Vipassana, um, Vipassana, which is a 10 day silent meditation retreat. And so I learned the um, meditation protocol for that, where I had an incredible experience there. But fast forwarding six months later, I'm taking now my yoga teacher's training. And one day in that yoga teacher's training, one of the guys who was in my program, he's like, oh, you did the Vipassana. Do you want to do meditation with me this afternoon? I said, sure. So him and I went in and we're sitting about five feet away from one another and we're meditating. And as I'm meditating... I, um, I'm really getting into it and I'm following the protocol and I start to feel this energy at the base of my spine starting to move and build like a building and intensity and moving in like a very spiralized kind of motion. And at the same time I see in my third eye, I can see inside my spine, all of this white light. And so I'm like, okay, so I'm just allowing myself to go with it and explore it and um, the, the, the light and energy starts to move upwards out of my root chakra into my sacral and it continues to move up. And as it's moving up into my sacral, um, in, sorry, into my solar plexus, I am feeling like I am no longer sitting on the floor. And in my mind, I'm like, Nicole, this is just crazy. Of course, you're still sitting on the floor, but I'm like, but it really doesn't feel like I'm sitting on the floor anymore. And I felt like my body was levitating. And I didn't want to open my eyes because I didn't want to like prove myself right or wrong and then break the connection. Like I was like, okay, ego, you don't need to do that right now. (laughs) Like it doesn't matter. And I continued to allow it to move up. And as it got to my heart chakra, 
the energy was so intense. It felt like the energy was going to rocket out of my brain and my whole head was going to explode and my chest was going to explode open. And it was really starting to freak me out. Like I really thought my whole body was going to explode. It was so intense that I had to open my eyes and just shut it all down because I was like, I don't know what's going on here right now. And so that was like my first really intense Kundalini experience where I had to stop it because it was so intense. Yeah, I'm, it makes I'm happy to hear hear you say this because so many people it was terrifying to me actually when it first started happening and as it would move through uh it took me a while by the way and it seems like i hear so many stories where people are just seem to like i guess smoothly go through it and it was it was I guess nothing for me has been smooth. Because no, I, I, I don't know if I, I actually haven't heard anyone speak of it in a smooth way, although I haven't heard too many people speak about it, but uh, yeah, no, it's a hundred percent terrifying. Yeah. I thought for me, especially when we start getting in the heart and stuff, I thought I was actually having like cardiac arrest. So it scared, like it gave me that kind of scare. Like when I first got out of my body, I thought that those first times and sometimes here and there, still i'm so like oh man i think i may have died you know and so it's just one of those survival things that i can't seem to kick and so it pops up even though i'm able to do these things now it's been a long practice but again i've been working a long time at this yeah it's um you know it's interesting i know why i had to stop it at my heart because i was about to go through one of the biggest heart opening years of my life mm. and my heart had been closed down for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, this was all about me be, um, opening myself up, opening my heart, exploring vulnerability, exploring a softer side of myself and beginning the path towards self-love. That's where it all started actually was that year, 2008, when I went on that sabbatical. Yeah. Yeah. Mine was more about for like, not on more about forgiving others for causing pain and taking it in and that's the beauty if no one's worked on themselves they don't understand how these things are, are magical like this and the journey i highly suggest it so it makes sense was this part of that revelation that happened in realizing what your trauma was when you were five mm -mm. That's later. That, that didn't, that didn't surface for me until October of this year. Oh my goodness. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's a never ending journey. I tell you just when I think I can't be surprised anymore. <laughs> it's just like, wow, we're going to go there now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's strange. I just started to have, I reached out to Randy Moggins because I started to have some crazy dreams, pop, like dream memories pop up. And I started to realize that these things I thought were dreams this whole time that were so vivid were actually cover whatever if it's it's my ego covering it my protective self if it's a basis for you know whatever they were covering a reality that i was not able to fully see mm. so i mean it is i think we work through this stuff continually oh absolutely it is constant and thankfully so you know, come on now, this is, this is at this point, this is part of the joy in this realm for me. 
oh my gosh, you don't come here to be complacent and sit on and couch surf and watch TV and eat bonbons. <laughs> no, know? like no. that's not why we're here. <laughs> so yeah, no, especially if you have like heart. I have a T square in my chart, so I, I'm what you, I'm wondering. You might have one too, though. It sounds like our charts are very similar. So tell me about about your dream world in general though, about how you experience lucidity. What does the dreamscape look like to you? Do you experience it in high color, high mm-hmm. depth, sensate? Can you read all those like little juicy details? Um, that's interesting. I don't know about reading, um, but I guess I can. Well, because I'm just thinking of a dream right now where when it, it must've been early 2017 and I was sleeping. And then, so this happened in a dream and I remember dreaming. I was on this bed with another girl. I think we were just kind of hanging out on a bed and just chatting, you know, like girl talk kind of thing. And then all of a sudden I started getting a message in and it was, um, they were saying, we are the guardians. Uh, and we, we have a message for you. And I just thought, oh my, in my, I remember my dream going, oh my God, oh my God, like I'm being contacted, you know, <laughs> like, and, um, it was one of my first contacts actually. And I, so I'm hearing them say that we are the guardians, but then all of a sudden their, uh, their voice went underwater. Like it sounded like it got all underwater and I couldn't hear them. And so, Elephant. <laughs> and so I remember telepathically, of course, this is all happening telepathically, but at the same time, I audibly heard them in my dream. So, and, and I'm not usually, I don't usually get, um, audible messages. It's always telepathic. And so I said, can you please telepathically I said, can you please send me the message another way? I can't hear you. And I, they, I had an, um, like an iPad in front of me or a tablet of some sort, but so I looked at the tablet and all of a sudden it started typing a message on the tablet from them. And it looked like old computer DOS style, like type, like that green DOS type. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And it just said something along the lines of stay away from Obama ads. And I thought, Oh, what the hell does that mean? You know, cause I wasn't really a very political person at all. And, um, I just was like, okay. And I woke up and I remember I wrote it down and I'm like, well, what the hell does that mean? You know? And so I, you know, I, I then have another meditation where I am in meditation with Archangel Michael. And he gives me another similar message to stay away from like political stuff. And I thought, well, I'm not really political. So why are they telling me this? You know, like what, what's going on? And also I'm not really one into like paying attention to what's going on in media that much in a sense of like, I didn't know what movies were out. So I didn't know, like, I think guardians of the galaxy was playing, but I didn't know, like, I don't pay attention to any of that stuff because I really stopped paying attention to Hollywood a while ago. It's a really good movie though. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so fast forward a couple days and it became very clear as to why I got that message. Um, I guess this was just around Trump's inauguration. And, um, 
you know, this was also the time of the women's March and, and all of that. And I just remember going, I remember getting this sense of like, oh no, this isn't right. Something's wrong here. And I felt like um, the women's march was being used to against actually women. It was attacking their actual femininity. And I didn't know why I felt that way. And I wasn't, I wasn't a Trump supporter. I wasn't a Hillary. I wasn't an anything supporter at the time, you know, like, but I just remember getting this message or feeling of that. And so I wrote a post and I saw all this hatred online of like people just absolutely hating Trump. And I just thought, wow, you know, from everything that I know about energy and and how we use our energy, that if we want to, we want to solve a problem, the last thing you want to do is, is put more hate into the problem, right? Because that's only going to like make it worse. And so I put out this post, which I never do. Hence why I think I was given the message. Um, And (laughs) not saying like no way, shape or form saying like I'm aligned with Trump or anything like that. Just saying, Hey, like, why don't we just wait and see what he does? Um, but in, in the meantime, like, let's not spread the, um, like the hatred and, and, and use the energy in a better way. That was the, ju- that was the gist of the, my post. Oh my Lord. I, my phone battery drained so fast. My Facebook was going off the hook. I, I had over 200 comments on that post and I didn't know what to do. And I had people who were family, like like immediate family members. I had friends who I thought felt like were, were family to me, who had known me for a very long time, who just were just attacking me for putting out that kind of a post. And it really red pilled me to how intolerant um, people can get to other perspectives if it's not in agreement with them. Yep. And I didn't understand how people were attacking me when they knew me so well, they knew my character to know that I wasn't any of the things, like my mental stability was being questioned by people I love, worried for my mental health. And it tore me up. I was crying. I was so upset over it. And, um, do you see now how that was a psychic attack? Oh yeah. From the NPCs. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah. And it really opened my eyes up and I became very politically aware after that. I started researching, I started diving in. Now, I understand why I was told to stay away from Obama ads, but at the same time, the good that came out of it was because it really red pilled me to start getting interested in media, but not like not mainstream media, but independent journalists and and understanding like how media is used against us and just really red pilling myself through that. And so taking, I guess, the journey of spirituality to all of seeing where all the deception lies and how it's, how the truth is made to be a lie and the lies are made to be truth. Yeah, this is a, this is a big deal. And I, I, uh, man, I can, I can echo that too. I, I always say neutral and you cannot even when dealing with uh, social engineering neutrality is just as bad to anyone that is being played and on a side. You know, you're just as you know you're you fall into whatever enemy camp mm-hmm. they are not in, and it's a huge psychic attack. Uh, and but 
look at how many people now have been able to stand back and start to see how this red peeled a lot of people that were coming from a reasonable stance saying, let's not be reactive. Let's stand back and see how this plays out. And this is a bigger, this, that's just the micro, right? Because yeah. this is a way bigger situation that's, you know, I mean, we could just blow this up into all the, uh, all the heavens, you know, this is like a gigantic cultural uh, stepping stone towards, uh, towards something. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely there if you want to ride the wave and look at things from a broader perspective. So that, uh, it makes me happy to hear this. Yeah. And I know we totally uh, went off track on the dreamscape and everything, but that's kind of where it all took me. It's amazing how that one dream, you know, kind of foreshadowed a little bit. And, um, yeah. Well, with that, so, you know, there's a lot of that dream that sounds very precognitive to me Mm -hmm. and, um, and, you know, and some of the focus people would call it a little bit of dreaming true because of the pathway in which it played out. Is this something that you're, you experience now within your contact in context to the dream experience? Are you able to tap into timelines and and yes, deja vu and all that. Yeah. I'm, I'm experiencing, I've had some dreams where I know I'm working in a completely different timeline, um, than the one I'm currently in this reality that we're all talking in right now. Give us, give us more on this. This is, you know, this is stuff we'd love to talk about on Nox Mente. You know, I remember one dream in particular that I had, um, in the last year or so. And I was working with this person, um, like someone close to me. And it was very bizarre, this dream, because it was like I was, do you know how they have on stage when they're showing something on stage and it's just one spotlight and everything's black around and all you see is what's in this one spotlight. And it was like, um, this person and I were in this spotlight and darkness was all around us. And, uh, this person was going through an awakening and asking me all these, um, questions. And I knew that this person wasn't yet awakened in this reality. And I just remember, um, waking up out of that going, Oh my God, I feel like I just saw another timeline and lo and behold, I'm now working with that person and they're going through a major awakening. And so that, that happened about probably a year, maybe eight months to a year before the awakening actually started. And I remember distinctly feeling that that was not just a dream. I was definitely in another timeline, but it was like, gosh, I want to say, um, it felt like because we were in such a dark space, I want to say we were somewhere in between timelines. It's almost like a collapsing part. Like it was in the verge of a collapse, if that makes any sense. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's what, so what would you, where would you rate your lucidity level in that? Well, I have yet, I am yet able to actually control 
myself in dreams, like control a dream and make it do what I want. I'm trying to work with that right now. Um, but the vividness of my dreams is extremely high def, extremely high def. And I always feel like I'm living in it. Yeah, that is, well, okay. So you feel like you're living in it, but are you're aware, correct? I mean, you're aware that you're in there and so, yeah, sometimes I'm aware, sometimes I'm not. Okay. Um, but I, I know that in my dreams, I'm becoming more and more aware now of me being in them and being like, oh yeah, this is, this is different. And kind of like looking around and I'm starting to um, come to the thing like, um, no, I don't want to do this actually. Yes. Why, am I, why am I doing this? I don't want to do this. Yes. And I somehow wake myself up out of it so that I don't end up doing it. Oh, that's interesting. So at any point in your life, have you had uh, an, an OBE? So, and, and I want to state because some of the stuff with, uh, with your Kundalini experience, especially the, for me, when I was young and I was my etheric body or whatever you want to call it that was moving in and out and get swelling and getting smaller and all this was my first experience with that and I didn't know that that was actually part of the process until way later and so it was hard to categorize it because I didn't know <clears throat> but with the language you're using around your kundalini experience the first round with it is definitely that same kind of experience that is generally connected to to getting out of your body actually really just getting out of your body so you already have just from that account the little bit i know has this happened though in technically the dream state for you where I'm outside of my body you're looking full, down. Yes. Or just out. No, you know, you're out. So, which is different than being in the dream and lucid. It's like it, it, it there's just a slight shift in consciousness there. I want to, well, I've had times where I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in a dream, but I feel like I'm viewing it like omniscient in a way like they're like almost like i'm remote viewing but in yeah. dream yes. like it's a movie maybe mm -hmm. yeah i have the same thing mm -hmm. and when those experiences are happening do you so uh give us like walk us through, it doesn't have to be a specific dream but walk us through how that how you experience that like and unless you know a lot of stuff i look for that i think gets overlooked is it the emotion aspect so a lot of people i don't know why and so i always just remind people to bring in the emotion stuff because it's there it's at play yeah i definitely feel a lot of emotion in my dreams like a lot i'm very emotionally connected in my dreams um and sometimes um that's great for obvious reasons. And, uh, sometimes it's not because I'm terrified. Uh, so I'm definitely emotionally connected. I, 
you know, the dream world for me has just been something that's, I've, I've, you know, I've been tracking a lot of my dreams over the last few years. And, um, I feel like some of them have been precognitive. Um, but it's only in the last probably six months or so that I'm starting to feel very, like you said, that I'm feeling like I'm viewing things or I'm aware that I'm in the dream and I'm a lot more aware of what's going on around me. Uh, I tend to have a lot of spy mission dreams where I'm on mission and I'm trying to um, either uh, save someone or uh, extract information. I totally have the same kind of dreams. That's so weird. It's reminding me of Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have military in your family at all? No, I don't. Well, my papa who's passed away, my mother's father, he did work in the Navy um, down in India, outside of India, like for the British Navy. Um, But as a child, though, I guess, I don't know, like it wasn't anything like I always hated war movies. But now, like, I'm just finding myself much more intrigued in military than ever before. What what is intriguing you? Um, just this idea of fighting for something, um, like this idea of battling evil, um, or, or like some sort of, um, yeah, like the camaraderie, the, this idea of knowing that you're on a team that completely has your back or you're fighting with people who would die for you, that kind of, um, that kind of honor and that kind of trust that I think is kind of lacking a lot in our society right now. I'm very intrigued by that, but then I'm also intrigued by the programming that happens and how people are programmed to be in the military and um, just the, what the military is used for. It's just, you know, I grew up in Canada, so I have to say military was never a big aspect of my life. It's only since I've been living in the States more that I've, become much more interested in it because I'm sorry. I, I now see the value where I used to be very like anti-military. I used to be like, Oh, you know, very, um, naive in this idea of like, well, we shouldn't have wars and all that. And of course we don't want to have wars. No one wants wars, but sometimes you have to fight for something that's being taken from you. And, um, yeah, if you want your yeah. freedoms and your sovereignty, then you have to fight for it. And, uh, so kind of losing some of my um, naivety and also my own programming that I went through. I think that was programmed through me through school. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Well, psychologically, especially like in union psychologically, the idea of boundaries is paramount and, mm-hmm. and, and you have to fight for your boundaries. So many people have to learn how to say no. Mm-hmm. And also yes in the right ways like from a real sense of knowing yourself and and not being walked over or doing things you don't want to do and uh that's on that's just on a personal level and if we just 
push that out, it makes sense in the outer world that our boundaries are a big deal. And if there's something that wants to bowl you over or doesn't like you and you don't have a good set of boundaries, you're, you're not going to survive. And so this is in the outer world. This makes complete sense with fighting for things you believe in, fighting for a, a right to say, I believe in my uh, ability to take up space, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's interesting how the programming in the outer world in some places is is trying to eradicate this idea. It's psychologically, it's not very healthy. No, and I think that's actually one of the pitfalls of the spiritual community um, is this idea of we're all one, so we shouldn't have boundaries kind of thing. <laughs> it'll, it'll remove our connectedness if we have boundaries. And that's not true at all. It's a huge um, misinterpretation of what boundaries are. Yes. Um, and so, you know, as an empath, it's so important that you maintain your boundaries. Oh, uh, yes. and it's also interestingly enough, a massive act of self-love to enforce your own boundaries. And if you're not enforcing your own boundaries, then you're actually, um, going against what the acts of self-love actually are. And so this was like a huge lesson for me in understanding um, the importance of maintaining your own individual sovereignty while you're part of a collective and knowing that, um, you know, there are certain rights that you need to maintain in order to, like you said, maintain your own sovereignty and your own health and, or you are not going to survive, like you said. Well, and I always try to bring these things down into easier ways for people to see them because it, it seems like if we push it into the outer world people just get triggered so easily these days but i mean what about in our blood cells the hemoglobin everything has its own little mm -hmm. you know everything has its own protective layer the heart does everything does and this is how the body functions and it needs to be this way yeah. Like I understand, like, for instance, the wall <laughs> triggers a lot of people and, yeah. um, a lot of people are like, well, that's just going, that's just all about disconnecting us from things. But in reality, when you look at it, the cell wall is, is very important. And when the cell wall loses its integrity, nutrients can't get in and toxins can't get out. Right. And this is what happens. And that's how the disease starts to set in into the body. And so you have absolutely have to maintain, um, proper cell wall function. And I've studied cells. Actually, I studied live cell microscopy. So I would look at blood cells under a dark field microscope and I would see how, what the blood looks like when the cell walls are losing their integrity. And it's not good. Like you, that's what sick people look like. And right. so when you take these micro, um, examples and take it to the macro, a wall doesn't necessarily mean that you're disconnecting from someone, um, or that you're preventing anyone. Um, like you're, you're, you're make, you're trying to cut off a connection. It's about understanding that everything has its place and boundaries and they need that in order to work cohesively. So, in order for the body to survive, your red blood cells must maintain an integral cell wall. Your skin is also a layer, consider a wall against like the outside world versus your own internal world. It's the last 
it's the first line of defense that you have, but it's also like the last one on the way out of the body. And so I think, you know, the ego can play a lot of tricks on us. And, um, at the end of the day, you're either connected or you're not. And, yeah, yeah. Oh, an exterior thing isn't going to mean you're not connected. Like I'm very connected to all my cells and they all have walls, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they talk to me and we communicate and I'm yeah. like, okay, you're not happy. We got to fix something. I'm like, maybe I need to do some juicing. And yeah. it, it, there are other ways. And we should know this in the spiritual community that there is no time or space boundaries, you know, and at the same time, the ego can get us tripped up when we see this idea of the wall and um, not understanding that it's part of boundaries to make sure that everything works efficiently. It's not that anything is not allowed in or out, but it's that there's got to be a system in place so that everything works in a certain order. Absolutely. It is, it's a great metaphor. And, and it, it just always reminds me of the whole inner, outer above, below, you know, that whole sacred paradigm of, of finding a sense of balance. And it, it's, it's hard to, and this is at the core of so much with dreaming. Everything that's going on in the outer world is, is yes, in part, a, you're seeing your own content and, and it's projected outward but everyone else's content is out there too. And so we're all trying to uh, parse through. And, and this idea of a sealed vessel in alchemy, of boundaries and psychology, of, of battle lines, of, of a house and a yard and a fence. And I mean, this, this idea is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's become weaponized against us and that's where we start looking at what are these lowly energies what is this kind of mind parasite that's setting in with social programming that is like solaris blue raven talks about understanding about you you know your dreams are getting hacked now dreams aren't even a sacred space because of all of the the uh fuckery yeah i don't even want to i i'm trying so hard to avoid words that just have become almost impossible to use these days and but but the other thing is we don't know how long this has been going on it could be it always has been you know i I think it's always been at play and now it's it's just a it's a deeper program running and and so it's hard to navigate this territory. Mm-hmm. But it, it definitely ties into what we talk about here, which is namely the inner world and how we're navigating the inner world and how it's at play with the outer world. And so, and, and so with this, let's transition into the idea of when you experience others in your dreams that are not you, that are clearly pushing back and have they're not part of your inner workings, right? Mm -hmm. How do you experience them? And this can include the dead. This can include whatever. It's just other entities that are not you that have a sentience to themselves or an autonomy in the dream, in the dream plane, so in your dreams. 
Um, so what's the question exactly? Like, how do I relate do to you, them or? Yeah. How, do you experience them? And you did with the first snake. So we already know that, that you do, but this could, I wanted to extend that out to maybe people, you know, that have died or, uh, astral entities that are out there other than that first snake experience. Um, dead animals you may have encountered, also possibly ETs, any of that other stuff that's not you, but that's at play when you go to sleep and dream. Oh yeah, I experience it all. <laughs> I'm not, okay, I shouldn't say it all. I, uh, well, um, I, want, I, <laughs> I didn't want to say dead people, like people who've passed on, but that's not true exactly. Right. Um, I don't believe we, I don't believe in that either, but at least everyone knows what we're talking about. Yeah. So I've had an experience this, well, last year, I guess, cause it's now January, um, where I was on a ship and, um, I was with other beings on that ship, but I don't, I couldn't tell you who they were, what they were. And I remember. Spaceship or? Yeah, uh, no, a spaceship. I was out way, way, way out there in the galaxy. <laughs> were, you, were you on a mission? Because I have those same kind of dreams. And I'm wondering if we're like on the same. Yes, I was on a mission. Yeah. And I was in this, um, it was more of like a round ship, but it did have a bit of a pointed front. And um, I remember being on the ship and feeling like I was on mission and they were talking about how we were getting close to a very earth like planet, but it wasn't earth. And so, but then all of a sudden there was a freak out happening. Um, and there was all of this oil, like debris starting to form on the windows that I was able to look out of. And, um, when they were trying to like remove it, which I can't tell you exactly how they were trying to remove it. It's not like they had windshield wipers or anything like that. But I remember seeing the streakiness of it. And, um, and I just remember that we were, I remember thinking we're in some sort of Milky Way type area. And so when I woke up, I, a friend, I was telling a friend of mine, the dream, and she like immediately looked up and sent me this, like, from the science journal or live science, I can't remember what it was, talking about this gaseous oil substance only found in the Milky Way and how like it, it's it, when it like lands on something, it's a very slick kind of oily type texture. And I thought, wow, I didn't even know it was possible to have that out in space. Like I, you know, and so I clearly was somewhere in my dream. Like I wasn't like, that wasn't a dream that was actually happening. And I, you know, I have a friend of mine who's a mentor and he's very, um, he's probably the most consciously evolved person I've ever met in my entire life. And sometimes when he talks to me about stuff, I feel like I'm in kindergarten spiritually. Like I really feel like I'm a newbie and that I haven't been doing any of this my entire life. <laughs> and he's told me there are thousands of earth-like planets around us. And, um, He's told me a lot of things that I really want to talk about, but some of it I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about because every time I'm with them, we're followed by people. <laughs> so, Ooh. yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, wait, I want to pause on that. And I, I would you 
Would you give us some of that? Because I'm hearing more of this from people and then, you know, I have my own experiences. So when, when you're tapping into these subjects and then you start noticing these synchronicities in the outer world where it seems like, what are you experiencing when you say you feel like you're being followed by people? And are you experiencing any kind of like hybridish type experience out in the collective recently? What do you mean by hybridish? Well, human, not human, mixes, mm. Uh, mm. all that kind of stuff. Um, no to that, but being followed is because literally seeing people in SUVs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, because there's, my friend has a way of tracking the plates, they then find out that, yeah, they were government. And that is, yeah, yeah, this is, this is, this is good. Um, it, it's good. It's good to hear. I like to hear stories like this because it, it makes people that are having these experiences not feel so alone. This stuff's very isolating. And, um, and I think it can be, if, if you allow it, it can be a scary thing. And if we stay in your agency, right. And self and, and you know, there's a, a good way to stay uh, present where you don't allow the fear to feed it, feed upon itself, or also who knows what's being targeted at you. But when, what specific subjects are bringing this activity on? Is it just the galactic stuff? <sighs> It's just him anytime uh -huh. <laughs> and it happens to him all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, whenever I'm out with him, yeah, there's always someone sitting near us who's by themselves and I pick them out. Um, I've seen them at coffee. I've seen them at a bar, um, several bars that we've been to or restaurants and, I instantly, I like, I'm like that person over there. And he's like, uh-huh. He goes, I've got, I've been watching. And so the, and the question that is just the stuff, like it always happens. It's never not happened. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> it's never not happened that there's been someone following us or tracking us or hanging out really close to us to listen to what we're saying. Oh man. <clears throat> I would love to talk with him if you could I'm trying to get him on my podcast. Um, yeah. I, and I well, will even say privately, just privately. Yeah. Um, he's very private. <clears throat> he's, um, I can talk to him when I see him again, but, um, yeah, he's very, he's very private. Um, very selective about who he shares things with, uh, only because of the nature of everything that he's able to see and do. Um, it's beyond anything I've ever heard before. And, um, yeah, so I will let you know if that's a possibility. Yeah, do. I mean, the whole reason, one of the reasons I came forward was I had to stop being private. It, it was, it was paramount that I stepped forward. So mm -hmm. that's why I did two and a half years ago. Uh, it, so, but I value privacy and I understand it a hundred percent. And so that's what I'm saying. I just like, if it's possible, let me know. So on that note though, when you, so back to when you're dreaming and you're experiencing non, 
other autonomous things is there a full gamut of them so uh, is there a range of where they feel friendly to where they don't feel friendly what oh yeah and there's times where i know i'm being deceived there are times where i know i'm being deceived they're coming in as something they're not <clears throat> could you give us an example of that <clears throat> um I've had them like take on bodies of people I care about and trust. And I can just instantly feel like it's not them. Like I know something's off mm -hmm. and that I'm trying to be um, deceived into doing things that I wouldn't want to do like in this reality. Mm -hmm. And <sighs> so there's that, that's definitely happening to me in the dream world state. Um, I've definitely had other entities approach me in dreams that are benevolent. So I'm having that experience. I am experiencing other planets. Um, experience other planets. Do the planets have a sentience like earth does? I, mm. I, I'm assuming you think, I, I think earth has a sentience. I think it's a living thing. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the other plants have the celestial bodies have that as well when you experience them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. What and so what about also? Uh, okay, so before I move on in there, there, I have so many questions for you now. That just opened up this huge floodgate. What about the dead? So. Have you, have you had dreams precog of people you know that were going to pass? And again, we already established that idea of like what death is and isn't possibly. And, uh, but have you had precog dreams before someone has transitioned out or um, contact with them after, soon after? No, not in the dream state, but I have had precog um, on death in this real, like in like my this reality, where <clears throat> um, someone I know, um, someone close to them was going to pass, and I knew it instantly, and I had it pegged down to within two weeks of when it was happening when it happened. Oh, that's remarkable. And so, and you'd mentioned your, your papa and that's your momo's father. Yeah. My mom's dad. Did he, so has, has he returned in your dreams at all? No, you know, the person who actually contacts me is my dad's mom. And that's actually, it's my dad's side of the family that I get my more intuitive psychic abilities my aunt and my cousin have it mm. they've my aunt gets a lot of activity from those who've passed on like moving things in the house and all of that kind of stuff and contacting her and sending her messages um, as well as my cousin I don't get that as much although I did have my grandmother reach out to me in like where she was tapping my shoulder she was behind me and I had seen her come out of a closet while my cousin, this was in the summer, um, 
my cousin who was my age and my sisters and I, we were in the bedroom, we were in a bedroom at the cottage and we were all kind of like trying to call on, we're like, Oh, let's talk to someone like, Oh, let's talk to grandma. Anne. and I never met her. She passed away three months before I was born, but I've always had a very strong connection to her that I haven't been able to explain. Otherwise, I just know when she's around and I know, um, when she, yeah, I just know when she's there. And so when we were kind of like playing around, not realizing as kids, like what we were doing, all of a sudden I saw someone come out of the closet and you know how things are out of the corner of your eye. Like you can't see as soon as you go to look dead on, it's gone. And so I saw it out of the corner of my eye and I'm like, Oh my God, did you see that? And my cousin saw it. She started freaking out. And so of course, like all these little girls are like screaming our heads off when we run downstairs and my, my mom and my aunt are like, what's going on. And so we were just freaking out. And then, so I decided, Oh, let me just kind of like chill myself out. And I was in the kitchen. I'm like, I'm going to wash some dishes. And so I was washing some dishes and all of a sudden I felt like someone tapping on my shoulder from behind me. And I was certain, like, I was like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not going to look because they're going to start talking to me. And then no one started talking. And I, I felt the tap again. And so I turned around and no one was in the kitchen and I just knew it was my grandmother. And I just was like, okay, well, <laughs> this is enough for me right now. And I just draw stop dish. I just went where everyone else was. So I I've had contact in that way with her. Um, although I do know when my grandparents are around, uh, although I haven't, I can't remember dreams with them specifically on my mom's side. It's my grandmother that I am mostly connected to mm-hmm. despite ever not met meeting her in this lifetime. Yeah. I, I find that, uh, I always find that interesting because it does tie you to a line and energy. And then there's, there's so much there to chew on as well, because there are people that there's, there's a whole line of thought where the, the ones that have gone before us in lines of, of families that you have that were dead before you arrived are somehow energetically part of you that's not genetic. It's like part, another part of you that's moved in again mm-hmm. in this dimension. And so the, there's just so much good stuff there to ponder. Uh, I, I'm wondering also... So I'm just going to wrap this section up. I wanted to talk a little bit about possession and my idea of it, but what about, what are your thoughts on death? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's really just a transition. Um, and I, you know, it's interesting because I'm fascinated with scorpionic energy, you know, um, death is very much transform is a transformation. And of course, like with my alchemy program, like that's just exploring that whole concept and that idea of transformation. And so this idea of death, I mean, from a very human level, um, because we feel so much, of course it's sad, but then of course there's that part of you that knows they're not really gone. It's just the body that they is, is leaving. And I don't know, it's, it's, um, it's a very interesting phenomenon. 
happier that it is. <laughs> like I'm always interested in people who've had like near death experiences, you know, and yes. um, their experience when they're deciding whether or not to come back or to continue on. And also the sort of information you can be given in a, in a um, near death experience that then helps you in your current life and completely changes you forever. Um, but I feel like also you can look at death on a biological level in our bodies, but I feel like I've died a couple times. Like I've transformed myself and rebirthed myself a yes. couple times in this lifetime yes. already. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. It just depends on what, like, what reality you're kind of looking at it from. Yeah. Well, this is why I ask everyone this. I mean, I have, I talk a lot about it. It's, it's just interesting to hear how people process that, that particular idea really. So one of the things I wanted to get to, and when I was looking at, checking you out before the show had started this was one and it's something i'm on to right now but this idea of possession and so strip yourself of the christianized idea especially the catholic idea of possession and come into the idea more as how one takes possession of their car and drives it right mm -hmm. and it's a, it's a sense of agency and then if you on top of that sense of agency, you then put, say, a filter of, of um, intent. So this is where you can get into something that's just a gnarly energy or something that's a lovely energy. But I'm wondering, are you experiencing lately, and I'd say since 2016, any changes in people around you that have this kind of feeling of I think walk-in some people want to call it and that's another form of it but I'm keeping it a wide open field here so it could be anything but are you noticing changes in people around you and specifically like maybe the not close in is great you know like lovers spouses children family all that stuff's great that's even better those examples but even like periphery people people you encounter semi-regularly the the person at the checkout counter or you know wherever where all of a sudden they seem different and then so yeah i just want to start there are you experiencing any of that um I've definitely experienced it through the influence of um, alcohol or drugs with people mm -hmm. where I've seen the shift happen right in front of my eyes. Yes. Yes. And I, when I look into their eyes, it's not them that I see anymore. So I definitely see that through alcohol and drugs, but I, I'm just trying to think here of, um, I've seen it in just something like a regular situation, like you said, like at the checkout counter or something like that. Yeah, where they're just, something's different. And, and we can open this up now to 
bigger waves of people. So we know, and we talked about this earlier with like how politics has created this new, um, these new waves of, it's almost like rabies, you know, like a, it's almost like a rabies virus on people when they start talking politics and getting, and, you know, really identifying with those stories and those narratives and close people start to separate and all this stuff. So that wave, yes, we see, I think we all see that Mm -hmm. wave. Mm -hmm. But I'm also curious about when we start diving into the woo-woo and uh, and thinking in terms of a deeper level of this, like a parasitical, a parasite invasion of sorts where people are different. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've seen it. I've definitely seen it. Is it's it, it, it's and, and I keep trying I why I stumble around this is is I don't want to front load people when I'm asking these questions about it, but I'm I'm specifically really trying to find out more of what people are experiencing with that kind of stuff. I'm calling it the virus. Okay. So, you know, you know what I'm getting in right now, what's coming through is that it's happening because people need to learn the importance of their boundaries and their own personal sovereignty. And it's part of the wake up process. And it it's kind of happening right now on a little bit more of an extreme and noticeable um a way that people are perceiving it because um, the boundaries or uh, people have been freely giving themselves up in ways that they're not even realizing they're doing it. And so the message is kind of coming in right now to answer your question because I'm actually getting kind of more of an intuitive answer mm-hmm. coming in that's streaming through is that it's meant to um, to to get people to remind them of the importance of their boundaries, which we talked about earlier in this idea of personal sovereignty and people right now we're in a time where, you know, of course, many of us are waking up and um, realizing this, but then there is of course a huge part of the population that is just so asleep to that. And this is happening to, um, to jar or wake some of these people up in understanding how they're being um, used and abused or taken advantage of. And it may come through their own personal waking, or it may come through another individual talking to them about it by noticing it within them. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. That, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much at play here. Do you think it's possible that we're all dreaming right now? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always coming from that perspective. Uh, and, and so in, in that thought, in that thought form of we are dreaming right now and we're collectively sharing this, so our dream sharing, right? It's holding down this, this, this construct so that we can agree on the terms. Uh, What do you think the purpose of this kind of road to hell we're on is? And why does it seem like this timeline is just driving into the flames? I'm a non-religious person, so I'm not saying that from a Catholic background. I'm just saying it seems like it's a crash and burn timeline. 
Um, yeah, you think that? Well, looking at, well, but I'm, you know, to me, crash and burn means Phoenix rises and we have a new situation. So or, I'm not, I'm not reset. A, one of the two. Yeah. I mean, so that idea of sometimes you have to burn the entire forest down in order to grow something better. Yeah. I mean that, you know, there's, you've got to have the, you, you've got to have contrast, right? Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, things do appear and we look at, and you, you're an astrologer as well. So we can look at how astrologically things are lining up saturn and pluto oh my gosh you know uranus and taurus there's all this stuff going on that's creating a lot of shit is going to change and it's it's changing fast now because all these alignments are happening there's this apparent there it now everyone's questioning time right because things seem to be time seems to now have its own uh time is almost sentient the idea of it it's speeding up and yet it's slowing down for some people but it's taking on a different twist than it did for my grandmother the way she talked of it and so and in my own lifetime in my own perceived lifetime time is definitely different than it was for me in say the 70s mm-hmm. yeah okay so here's the thing like about you know, your idea of crash and burn is this idea of complete chaos. This has to happen. Um, and we're, we're seeing the extreme polarization occurring right now. Um, and it's necessary. Uh, it's necessary to happen. I'm actually getting some messages coming in right now and it's kind of throwing me off. Oh, bring uh, them up, bring them through. So I'm getting this message. Sorry, there's my the dog next door is barking. Um, <laughs> I'm getting this message of this idea of like what we were talking about before about possession and, um, and not so much that it's about like an entity possessing you, like you were talking about before, um, but more of this idea of the programming and, uh, this idea of personal boundaries and knowing who you're going to let into. And it's this idea of what are you going to let into your mind and understanding where to draw the boundaries of what to let into your mind and not. And to know that the programming is obviously coming to us in so many different forms, like media and things like this. But um, it's also like I'm getting, I'm seeing like particles and activations and there's certain things like that. Can, you know how like they talk about like in the, um, like you can have like a patsy who gets activated and, um, you know, commit some sort of... Yeah, like an MK Ultra yep. thing. Like I'm seeing that globally, but in a much more um, a low level way, you know, not as intense, as intensified as say like an MK Ultra uh, person, but um, it's more from like iPhones. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's so many things like from like chemicals, sprays in your food, but also to know that it's important to be very wary. Like, I don't know why this message is coming in. It's important to be very wary about what you're listening to and what messages you're taking in because they could be setting off a program within you that you don't realize. And this is what's happening to where you see the shift in someone is that there's so much programming happening that whatever foods they've been consuming as well, like it's happening on a bio level as well as a mental level. 
And this is part of the lesson for us as humans to take back our sovereignty and to say no more. And this is about why you need to have boundaries, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm with you on all that. And, and but and but these are practices. This is a praxis. It, it's it is. Uh, I mean, I always say this. The bot. We naturally meditate. We, if we just allow ourselves to find stillness, we, the body finds its breath and it finds a rhythm. And then if you push into the rhythm and then you can get into that, holding the breath in as long, you know, you can, we do these things naturally. And then it's wonderful when you find, you know, tools of, from people that have been doing it a very long time, thousand, you know, old school stuff, uh, to push further than. But it, it, it's just these, I think, um, yeah, I'm just agreeing. I'm actually, I'm just agreeing with what you said. Well, that's so, a first. No, it's, not, it's not a first. I often I'm agree. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, good, Jerry. I didn't know what, you're, is Jerry so dry sometimes? Like it, uh, yeah. Like a fine wine. Ooh. Yes, indeed. So that's it. It's, it's interesting. I find there's a lot of blockages when I don't go out very often. And so I've just always been this way. I'm introvert and empath and I try to, I try to parse it all out. But when I do, increasingly, I'm just noticing this, this amping of energy, which I've been talking about for the last two years, because We've been amping with the astrology and these major alignments that are now here before us. Been watching them come, and now here they are, and we're moving fully into them, both in the Vedic and in the Sidereal, in the uh, tropical. Mm -hmm. So it's validating. How's this this Saturn Pluto conjunction been for you? It's amazing because, well, it's 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 there's been a lot. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on and but because i i'm in observance so often and i try to ride away i try to keep the weak knees right and so you ride the wave Mm. um it's amazing in the sense of of i'm in a state of awe actually at how how clear it is because i you know i've i see it and I work with these energies, but that is my own state. So my own cottage here, my own little bubble is calm as it usually is But outside. Like I say, like I, I was just out at a wonderful concert, uh, high lung. So good. And, you know, amazing stuff, but that everyone's on edge. People were, I mean, it was unbelievable. The surface was so thin for people that little things were just triggering lots of people. And I was witnessing crazy amounts of anger and weirdness and jealousies and, um, you know, those kinds of things attributed to hard angles in, in these planets. So, I mean, if that's, that's how I'm answering that, at least right now. Mm-hmm. It's really pulling a lot of stuff up to the surface. Yeah. Oh, I'm having, as I said earlier, I'm having memories come back that I, I thought were 
the recover memories involved with stuff that I, I really thought so that the core of the memory is still there, but why certain things were there is what's falling apart. Oh. Uh, like being, you know, like this one memory I was tied up in, uh, my mother confirmed it, but it's the story around it. I was tied up in this, uh, this bath, like it was, I don't know, an enamel clawfoot tub kind of thing. It was enamel and iron cold. And she, I allegedly, we were at a friend's house and I was playing with this child and he tied me up with, <laughs> with, with, uh-huh. with belts. And I'm in this bathtub. She comes down and she sees I'm all tied up and gagged and everything. With this child, we're like six. And oh my goodness. <laughs> and so, I, forever I thought that was the memory and then all of a sudden that the yes I was but it wasn't the memory of mm-hmm. and that, of what I was told it was and that's what's falling away mm-hmm. so stuff like that is coming forward <clears throat> yeah it's it's I just feel like everything that isn't of the vibration of truth is just struggling yes. to maintain its structure Yes, it's tr- the glue is coming, is dried and cracking. And mm-hmm. yeah, and that's the one thing I think is just so beautiful. I I feel like I was, you know, I feel like I've decided to be a participant in this, you know, we, we're focusing, we're here. Everyone that's here, we're here. And so our eyes are open and we, we can engage in this experience. And that's what I'm doing. I'm engaging. And I feel that I chose to engage in the experience rather than pacify myself with drugs or alcohol or uh hockey or whatever i'm i'm engaging in it and so i'm in observance and participating and also allowing the stuff of mine to surface and that is why i find this experience exciting and exhilarating in the end i know i'm all right i'm always all right you know, this is where I come from. I don't come from a victim stand. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. So I'm riding the waves. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, that's, I mean, that's the ebb and flow of life. And it's so important to learn how to ride those waves and not get taken under by them. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, (laughs) the Saturn Pluto conjunction has been so amazing so amazing um it's revealed like it's just in timed perfectly with the memory that i have of when i was five the traumatic thing and how it's i'm letting go of all that to move on to something more stable and more safe and um yes and on all that and just really seeing how anything that is not in alignment with us just can't come with us anymore yes yeah yeah, it, well, and things I think that may have been like, you know, viral stuff that may have attached to me for whatever reason is just slipping off now. It's just, it doesn't have, it's a frequency thing, right? And I spend a lot of time really focusing on this. I wondered why, I think it was last year at this time, I started to have this terrible ringing in my ear, tinnitus and static. And out of nowhere, it just started happening. And it, if you, if I focus in on it, it's, it can be really 
I could see where this would drive someone crazy, really, mm-hmm. honestly, bonkers. And it, it it's a constant, to me, I feel like I'm tuning into another frequency. And it's forcing me in a way, first of all, I should preface this, I'm doing the work where I want this. So it's it's synchronistic that it hap- is happening. So it's forcing me to rise above what would be annoying and crazy making and to get into an inner state of uh well-being with it and then to get above it with us with my frequency instead of dwelling on the fact that i'm hearing white noise all the time and i'm starting to get that clear audience coming mm. through with it and that is what i am specifically saying with riding these waves so i had this choice i could go down the path where that was going to I think it leads people to getting medicated and all that. I mean, I hear a lot of stories with, with this stuff. And for me, I just can't go that route. I have to push into it further. It's like deja vu when it happens. I want to cling onto it and push into the experience and see what, what is in the ether of this. What is in the darkness of this? What can look back at me so that I can see it? I don't care if it's seeing me. I want to see it. Yeah, you want to lean into it. You want to surrender into it and not resist it. Right. And then I guess from there I decide, <laughs> you know, because I do know there are things out there, you know, where it's a, I understand everything wants to live. So I understand the food chain idea too. So I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not a white lighter. So I am also experiencing that bigger realm mm-hmm. that people I think are not aware of mm-hmm. that we are in that, you know, there are things out there that do treat us like batteries or cattle. Yep. <laughs> and, and that's he- real. And hence why you need to like fight back. And right back to the boundaries. It's so mm-hmm. important. Yeah. Yeah, I I used to think more along like the white light kind of worker type mentality or approach, I should say. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but I don't feel like it's right for me. And I see where there's some pitfalls in it, Um, at least from like the way I see this world. It's just like you got to learn to stand up against things and... um if something's gonna, you know, you never, you're never going to like make the first move, but if something's going to make a move to you and it's like, okay, I'm going (laughs) to stand my ground and I'm going to, you want to bring this on and then we're just going to go toe to toe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And I I talk about this a lot in other places and, and other shows I'm doing with people and, uh, you know, it's amazing. It does part the seas. So it's hard stuff for some people to to grasp onto, but it's it's really happening. This this whole cattle idea and battery, you know, specifically the cattle thing. I've heard this from three or four different people this week. It's just interesting that, it, that it's come up so prevalently lately. Yeah, and um. That's what they want us to break free of that programming, that cattle programming, you know, the sheep programming. 
And that's what's getting activated in a lot of people. Cause you know, I, I'm seeing it more so in like the more radicalized, um, uh, sections of the population, uh, not as much so in, um, um, like this more central and it's, it's this idea of like, stop allowing yourself to be used. So like you said, be, Mm -hmm. be the conscious participant. Don't be the unconscious puppet. And that's what, you know, part of this virus though is, is, and this is what I, I, why I keep using the term virus and it's non-human and I am attributing mostly it's AI. So, which is a sentient AI and not in the way most people are talking about AI, a whole different dynamic. And Jerry and I just went into that and conspire normal. So if people want to hear how I feel about that. But, yeah, I do. Um, it was very juicy. So, but the thing is it like the system of the body, it has to get gain access. It's like the whole vampire thing it has to be invited in. So otherwise the white, your white blood cells, your immune system attacks foreign bodies and, and ejects them. So this virus acts like a Trojan horse. It gets in there and, and tells the body it's a, it's friend. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and then it starts to do its thing. It unfolds and starts expanding and yeah, yeah, it starts eating and living and doing its thing. And it's not evil because it's doing that. That's what it's doing. Everything wants to live. And um, it's evil to you because you're it's food you know it's it's you're hosting it and uh but once it's in and and procreating like candida i mean like all this stuff is so natural that's the thing i keep getting back to where people get triggered and it's not it's like i just want to bring it back to like our natural systems are set up this way it doesn't have to be crazy Mm -hmm. woo-woo to people to get their concept and but once it's in, it's not always so easy to get it out, right? It's not so easy yeah. to exhume it. Yeah, once the overgrowth has taken over, right? Once the body's been tricked and accepts it as its own, then then it has free reign and it can it can metastasize and take over and eventually what's left. So this is a very real process, a real natural process and it's happening it's yeah happening. And, and, and yeah and it just brings it right back to personal sovereignty and boundaries and Absolutely. knowing just you know and if you're in your own personal sovereignty then you just you don't really have anything to worry about and if you, as long as you exercise that in in your thinking in your actions in your emotions and, and all of that and really take ownership for your own creation of your own hologram and reality then you're going to be fine. But if you like play that victim card, then you're suspect to all of this stuff. Well, that's part of how, so when a virus or something gets in and it starts changing your neurology and it starts sending off chemicals telling you what it wants, like, you know, like make sugar may be an example, then, then this is, this is where you, you have to start finding your own voice and under, this is where that know thyself idea mm-hmm. comes in. You need to understand it's, it behooves us to understand our own voice, our own identity 
and parse it out from what's not us. And that can be a very hard process. You know, this is some people that takes psychological analysis, some people that takes just physical cleanses, like body cleanses and meditation. And, you know, I mean, we all have a different process and everything, you, they're just, they're different. There's everything's got a lot of nuance. So there's no cut and dry, I think, with any of it. It's just a matter of what are you from the rest? What is you and what is not you? And that comes again, boundaries. But it's easier said than done. Mm -hmm. The work, one has to do the work. Yeah. And you first need awareness. <laughs> right. And where does the awareness come from? Being out of balance. Yeah, exactly. And that's why at the end of the day, it's all good, right? It's all good. Um, as long as you take care of yourself, it's all good. Because if we all just take care of ourselves, then everything's taken care of. Right. But again, that seems like an easy concept because, you know, some, we've been doing the work. It's, it's a, like there's an amount of dedication and devotion that goes into some of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I can see how, like, the more I've really um, moved into that space of understanding of being the master creator and knowing and, and really shifting the vibration of yourself, how you perceive yourself is the most important thing you can ever work on because it'll shift the way you perceive the world. And when you can shift that, it's just like, it changes everything. And you, your ability to create just, you know, is exponential and it continues to grow in that way. And so, you know, and of course, you know how everything is like, like attracts like, and the more people that, you know, yes. start to yeah. resonate with that and they get attracted to you. And then you start, it just, it, it can compound really quickly, yeah. but it all starts with each of us first. And those beautiful synchronicities line up. The dreamer awakens within the dream that, mm -hmm. you know, that's what happens. I'm wondering if we have questions from the chat. The time just flies. Jerry. I'm here. Give me a second. <laughs> yeah, I did have one question. I can find it. <laughs> I kind of just went went off on a thing with you there, Nicole. I know. It's, I it's, it, this has gone by so fast. I love that. Tell me about it. I looked at the clock. I'm like, wow, it's been 90 minutes already. <clears throat> it was someone who wanted to know something. Uh, Talk amongst yourself. Mm. Well, uh, here okay, it, I found so, it. I found okay, it. Okay, cool. So, uh, Spellbound Bear would like to know what are the best methods to finding who you truly are and what you are meant for on this? Looking inward. You can it's never so cliche, find it. though. You know, 
because it works. <laughs> for, yeah. For a reason. You know, yeah. And I totally get it. And, you know, and there's a reason why they are cliche, but the one thing I started to realize is that the, all of the answers that have, come, have been the most profound to me have been the ones that I've received through the inside, not from anything anyone's told me, not from any book I've ever read. It's been the insight that's come through me connecting inward. And we can't look outside of ourselves for anything because we're the creators. And so if you are looking for the answer outside of you, you're never going to find it. If you're looking for someone else to tell you it or a book to tell you it, like that's all good and great in the sense that it can give you some guidance and all that. But at the end of the day, the mo- the ultimate revelation, the ultimate um, aha is going to come from the answers within you. And that's the way it's, it's, I, I feel like that's the purpose of the design. And cause you like, it's like that idea of know thyself, you know, yourself the best. It's just a matter of reconnecting to it all and trusting yourself. I just feel like we're not trusting ourselves enough. I, Remember. I agree. I, I've noticed lately that a lot of things that ideas that I've come up with or uh, thoughts that I've had about certain things are being echoed in media in yeah. movies and whatnot, just just things like like I've always thought, and this is a really weird idea that that time, linear time, is really a reverse Mobius strip. And I've said mm-hmm. this over and over again on many shows. And if you watch uh, Avengers Endgame, t- Tony Stark sets up a simulation of time in a reverse Mobius strip. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's such a way out there idea. But then to hear it echoed back in a movie, it's like, whoa. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is ultimately what it comes, we're, we're, we're so programmed to not trust or believe ourselves. Mm. You know, just the very idea of school in itself is that, you know, you're not going to be intelligent unless you go through this institution and we're going to tell you how intelligent you are based on our idea of what your performance is. And so everything is just designed for us to constantly be looking outside for the validation for, you know, of, of who we are and what's, what's right and what's wrong. And so we're totally designed like, well, we're totally programmed to not trust ourselves or believe in our own, um, our own abilities. And so it takes a while to kind of, you know, beat back at that. Yeah. And so when you have things like that happening with you, Jerry, it's like, at first it's like, Whoa, what just happened there? How did I do that? You know? And how, how did that, how did that turn up? But the idea to me is well, no, when I heard it, it, when I heard it, I was like, yes, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> like I knew I was smart and intelligent way beyond my years. Oh, I know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we really, you know, and I, and I get this all the time, you know, we're constantly doubting ourselves, especially when we start pushing our own boundaries of what we're able to do. Yes. And like, am I actually getting this? Is this actually a thing? And, you know, and, and, we're so constantly put into self-doubt, but the trick is, is that if you can really shift it into just trusting and moving into the program of, I know, and, um, then you can really 
tap into a lot of things, a lot of answers will start to show up and they won't come in the deepest search of it all. It'll come in the most passive moment ever. (laughs) The mundane, really, there's so much within it. There's another thing though that, and this is what's always bothered me in the white, like the white light movement, which is the only trigger point I have is that in, when you're in observance, and especially when you're working on yourself and you're in observance of what's going on internally and especially externally, which is how you see what's going on. And it is not a bad thing to be in observance of terrible shit. You've got to acknowledge it. Not everything is sunbeams and it's, it's, it's all right to say this, this is, this is not, you know, I don't want to watch, I don't want to see this koala bear burn. I don't want to hear it. It's crying out. You know what I'm saying? This is a terrible thing. This is terrible. And so to recognize your feelings when in observance, instead of repressing them, is what I'm getting at. Where I hear a lot of people that come in and 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 speak language that sounds very lovely, but it's in the end speaking about repression of mm-hmm. one's emotional content towards observed realities. And we all know realities are subjective, but whatever you're observing, you should observe it in its essence as it's happening for you, as it's unfolding for you, and just let it be, whether it's good or bad. Yeah, it's that's like the essence of spiritual bypassing. Mm-hmm. Right. Real. Yeah. And I and I I know that happens a lot where I'm like, oh, I just want to focus on the positive and I don't want to think about the bad. And, you know, that's one of the things I think one of the things I've really realized is because I used to, you know, I, I, I really, I never paid attention to media. One of the things my naturopath told me from the beginning was, do you watch the news? And I'm like, not a lot. She's like, good. Don't watch it because it's fear porn basically. And it'll bring your vibration down. And so I was like, oh, okay. And so I just never watched the news. I didn't really pay attention. But then like, you know, when all of that happened in 2017 and I realized, you know, also I kind of went through this idea of like, well, I don't, I, you know, people talk about stuff that's going on in the world, but I don't really know a lot. And I'm right, at the mercy, right. I'm at the mercy of listening to them and let that formulate if it's what's true and what's not true. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm okay with that. And I was like, I want to be able to be a participant in these conversations and be intelligent on the matters. And so I was like, I think I need to start like researching through the news now, but not through like, you know, the, um, the okay. mainstream ways, yeah. but let, let me just look. And of course, you know, you get suckered into some things like whether it's mainstream or alternative, it happens on both sides. And you're like, Oh, you know, I thought this sounded really good, but this is the process of discernment. But I realized now I'm like, wow, I have to be informed. Yeah. I have to find out my information somehow. And I can choose what, which, um, ways I receive it, uh, you know, and make sure that, you know, there's plenty of, 
you know, people out there or platforms that will deliver the information in a non-emotional way, which is one of the things I really look for when I'm getting my information is because I don't want to be emotionally manipulated. Yeah. And, um, because it affects my frequency. So if I can get the information without all of the emotional hoopla, then I can stay informed and know what's going on. Because if you don't know what's going on, you can't say no to it. Right. And and that means you're saying yes. Absolutely. I'm so glad. I'm so glad to be kind of wrapping on this point. It's so important. And, uh, it also keeps us in tune with what what are the collective waves and we 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 do need to have our eyes open have you been keeping up to date with this tartaria and mud flood situation no actually okay that's the situation what's the situation i said that's a situation it's a it's a conversation it's it's it's, uh it's big in the collective right now put it that way oh what's the crux of it Basically, there's some kind of um, reset every 100, 200 years or so where the prior civilization gets buried in some kind of deluge of mud. Interesting. And the Tartaria thing is a a culture that is is erased from history. It was like Irish. No. Wasn't it? What was it? It's more like Mongol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I just got, there's all the, there's the Irish stuff that is just making its rounds too. Like the fake potato famine? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. What is real? (laughs) Right? This has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, thanks so much. This is a lot of fun. I loved it. You guys are a lot of fun. Nicole, this was great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was our pleasure. Definitely. Thanks for coming on again. And thank you everyone for listening. And next so week. What, sorry, let Nicole. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and plug your stuff, you please. And all that stuff. How can people get a hold of you? What do you have going on? All that. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, you can, the best way is to go to my website inflexibleme.com. Uh, and anything that you really need to find out a bit about me is over there. You can, um, get access to all my videos, my blogs, my alchemy program. That is like a monthly subscription program where it's, it's kind of like if you can't afford individual coaching, it's a way to still be part of coaching and get access to information that I don't put on my um, YouTube channel or my website. Um, I've got guided meditations there and also, um, some other uh, programs that you can get into. Um, I've got my website, Enlighten Up. Uh, that we actually, our episodes come out every Thursday, and that's a lot of fun. And I am looking to host a retreat in the fall. So if you want to get information on that when I announce it, uh, yeah, I'd say sign up to my newsletter because that's going to be a really awesome time. Ooh, excellent. Is that going to be on Colorado? Yeah, we're going to do it in the mountains. Cool. Oh, I love it out we there. We can take mushrooms. And out the <laughs> I used to go to camp, day camp. Or I went to a camp in Estes Park when I was a kid. Oh, it's beautiful there. Right yeah, at the Estes base Park. of Mount Meeker. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. It was. So I had a blast, even though it was a religious camp. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> it's closed now, and there was no pedophilia going on. I just mentioned. Well, that's that. good. Yeah, I know. Well, okay, that I Jerry saw. did grow Catholic. I was raised Roman Catholic until I started playing D anD D, and I realized, you know, the dark rituals that were going on. <laughs> I made that correlation like in eighth grade. Crazy. Oh my goodness! Anyway, that's so funny. Thanks again so much. Thank you everyone for listening. Next week we have Taylor Bell, who is a creator of the Sigil Arcanum Tarot, which is on Kickstarter. I'll put that link in his show description when I get the video posted. Um, that's about all I got. So Thank you. have a great night. Thanks everyone. And we'll talk to you next week.